Charlena for today. I just want to make sure everybody has the right handouts. Uh, no, we're actually, well, I'm going to do a little summary of it, but really what we're, what we're going to do today is talk about, we're going to start the lesson on making disciples, the importance of how to know that you're a disciple. It's only a two-page lesson, and I didn't know how many people have. It should be in the front of your book, and if it's not, it's called the page Making Disciples. It's a two-pager, and I'll do some review. Uh, it's actually, it should be in the first section. Just before, you get to the first. Just before you get to the first section. It has to do with our, you know, what is the purpose of this ministry? Yeah, it's in those sheets right in the front before you get to the first. All right, let's pray before we kind of go into this. So it's awesome because we want to, even though we've already brought in the spirit, and, you know, that's the most important thing. The word says to enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving before you open up any word. You know, the Lord wants you to enter into his courts so that you are, if you've already worshiped him, praised him, we've already brought him in. And that's the most beautiful thing. When we worship, our goal is to ask the Holy Spirit into our time. You should be saying, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Then the second thing you should say is, Jesus, come and sanctify my soul. You know, that doesn't mean you'll get completely, fully renewed but as you're worshiping, if you ask Jesus to come and just sanctify your soul, just to come in so you can hear and you can receive what the Holy Spirit wants to teach you with what word is going out. When the word goes forth, God has something to teach each person. It could be the same thing as another, but it could be something completely what? Different. So God is going to reach out to who he's going to reach out to. It always amazes me that what one person can get in a teaching than what another person can get. Because God knows what's going on in your lives. So there isn't anything that's not going to be taught today that's still not going to touch somebody in here and what they're called to do or what they've been asking God. God uses teaching to kind of get an answer to you. He uses teaching to edify you. He uses teaching to correct us. He uses teaching for us to be examined. And then the ultimate thing is he does the work. Praise God, he does the work. Because after Jesus sanctifies the soul... And he intercedes to the Father, then the Father can bring down his presence. And he brings down his presence to set on us so we can be what? Changed. Day by day, one at a time. Sonship is a class to help teach the disciples of Jesus Christ. Everybody in here is a disciple. And so everybody in here is a son and daughter of God. And we've been talking about last week, we left off with where we talked about the born again experience. Because you have to know when you meet somebody, You have to be able to know, are they born again? Are they not? You have to be able to understand that God uses us to lead somebody in the prayer of salvation. But the most important thing about the mandate of this ministry is helping people in salvation start working it out in their soul so that they can grow up in the maturity of Christ. That's what this ministry is about. Helping Helping a nice, innocent bride make it down the aisle to her wedding so that she become married to Christ. And it's very important. Thank you. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit. We're just going to pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you. We lift up your name. We glorify you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come on into our hearts and widen the space within us so that we can hear the word. 
of the living God, which is in Jesus. So Jesus, we sanctify our souls so that we can hear the truth of what you're trying to share with us. Lord, give us the spirit that when we leave here to be hungry and thirsty for your word on our time with you. So, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we honor you today in this lesson and every day. But we just, we just ask for your wisdom. We ask for your understanding. We ask for your knowledge in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is awesome because we left off last week and we talked about five things. We talked about what does it mean at the moment when you become, when you become saved? And the five things that happen to change you. Well, the first thing we talked about, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. We talked about that you have a new birth. You are now born again for a second time. You had your physical birth when you were born in this earth. And then you have your second, it's your spiritual birth. The regenerated spirit enters in. Then we talk about number two. The second thing we talked about was you are God's child. You have to know, you know, you are adopted back up to the father, that you are a son and daughter of God. I love that because I loved it when um, Kathy heard the voice of the Lord saying, you are my daughter. The Holy Spirit will encourage you from the inside out, reminding you that you are a son and daughter of God. The third thing we talked about last week is there is a hunger in you. How do you know that you have really come to Christ in you? There's a hunger inside for you to get it right. There is a hunger for you to seek the truth. There is a hunger that is developed inside of you wanting to get to the place that you are. But as that's happening, who's attacking you? Satan, his little arrows and his darts are attacking us. And then you got to remember, I am a new creation. (laughs) The old things will pass away. The new thing will now spring up. Who will see it? You know, we talked about that this morning. Who will see it? We come in for the wrong reasons on a lot of things. We have the wrong motives. Hey, it's okay. We've all been there. But then God turns it around and he starts bringing towards you that new thing. He starts making you that new thing. And then he's got to start changing all the atmosphere around you. Now, in the world, wouldn't it be nice if it just happened like that? That you just take Christ in your heart and the next day it's all new, feels good, and it's great. Well, that's what we all think too. This isn't going to be so bad. This feels good. And then we get a spiritual high and everybody, if you've experienced what happens right after, a spiritual low. Boom. He doesn't, if you are pressing forward, he's going to keep pressing with you. He's going to keep you in that rotation. We don't get on that one high and think we've achieved it all. Because if you achieved it all and did what your assignment was, guess what? You would not be here on this earth right now. You wouldn't be here. You'd already be up in heaven because you accomplished your assignment. And you know what? I'm not going to judge anybody about how long they live and what do they do in their life. And, you know, Rachel came to me one time and she said, Mom, a girl her age died last year that she went to high school with. And she just, Mom, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I said, Rachel, I get it. This girl was 21 years old. I said, she died in a car accident. She was a good, I mean, she was a good girl, good heart. And she probably made mistakes like everybody else, right? But guess what? It was her what? Time. Because the one thing when we know when Christ enters into us, he's the one that gave us life. And he's the only one that can give us life. And he also decides when our life, it's time to move on. But we never die if we're in him. It's eternal. Your soul and your spirit will go to heaven. You know, what makes us nervous is, you know, we know every spirit gets rectified back to where it came from. 
But does every soul make it into heaven? Whew. Talk about a hitter. You know what I mean? The soul, you want to actually feel, you can close your eyes and you can smell and you can feel your environment. You have thoughts. Wouldn't it be cool to experience that up in heaven? So your spirit that's already whole and perfect, working with your soul gets to experience heaven. That's really powerful. When the word says he wants us to bring heaven down on earth, that means he wants to bring the heavenly things in our soul. Our, we are earth, a piece of earth. He wants to bring it down and then work it through us. That's what we're here to learn. A disciple learns how to follow Christ and learn the same things that he was taught. So you know what I mean? We're supposed to be learning from him. So we are reminded that we are an old creation, but there is what? A new creation being birthed out of us every day. A new spiritual life that we've never experienced before. And so that's what keeps us motivated, knowing every day I get to experience something new. Every day an old behavior falls off and a new behavior, but I've got to stay connected. Staying connected is worshiping God, talking to God through Jesus, spending time in his word. You actually have to develop a personal encounter with God. See, when people come in here, they know about Jesus, but they haven't had a personal encounter with God through Jesus. And that's the difference. We have to really listen to testimony when people come in here because we can talk a lot of good word, but that doesn't mean what experience did you have with him? It says many people talk about God. They talk about Jesus and they say they believe in their own way but never experience a personal encounter with the living God. God, in your own way, is to have never experienced a personal encounter in your relationship. God doesn't want us to have a relationship with him in our way. He wants to say, I know how special each and every single one of you are. I'm going to come and have something special with you that you cannot deny, and it makes you keep wanting to come back to that place where you had it. It keeps you wanting to seek him more. It keeps you wanting to press in and grow and not worry about the things that surround you and not to be concerned even about people around you. Because here he says, he shows you a word. And when he's going to change something around you with another person, it could be a family member or anybody connected close to you. He already says, if you come to me, I'm already going to bring along your what? Household. He's already got it all set out. So whoever lives in your household, whoever is in covenant with you, he's already got them covered. But he's going to expect you to work with him because he's going to do it. You, how many times do we try to make somebody saved? How many times do we try to change somebody's position on things? Yeah. When it really just has to be done, they have to have their experience with God. We have to learn how to what? Let go. We have to learn how to let go. So... We have to be excited. We need to pray for those personal encounters with God because when they have them, it's going to be a high, which the word says they will experience a what? A low because that high feels so good because it's so supernatural. We want to be able to ride the wave. But there's an element is that we're still growing from glory to glory. We can't handle that wave all the time. So he works us down to bring us right back up. That's why as a body, we need to hold on to each other. We hold on to each other through prayer. We don't hold on to each other people physically. We encourage each other in flesh to flesh, but we, we really press through for a person in prayer. Our prayers, the effectual prayer of a righteous man goes very deep with God. And if it's coming from the right heart, he's going to work it. So what does it mean to really have that personal encounter? 
It means, and we talked about this this morning in the real estate worship class, he is a friend. I want you to think about these names. He is a friend to you. He is a father to you. He is a brother to you. He is a companion to you. He is Lord. He is healer and he is provider. Now, I want you to think on, meditate on those things. It takes time to think that Jesus is a friend. I asked this morning, I asked the real estate agents today, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask you something. Are you a slave or are you a friend of God? Are you a slave or are you a friend of God? There's a, there's a picture that they put on the screen this morning. It should be saved in the pictures. It should be the last picture saved. And it says, it talks about diligence. And it says 2 Timothy, I think it's chapter 2.15. It's a picture with an iron and a hammer. Do you see it? It was just downloaded this morning. I think it's 2.15. I want to show you this picture because this really goes with what we're talking about today. It's a picture. Do you have the pictures? You can go right to the picture section where he saves pictures. You know where he saves pictures. Thank you for your patience. I really want to show you this picture. It's an awesome picture. I dropped it in his airdrop. There it is. I think that's it. Put it up. Let's see. Praise God. Hey, Sheila. Hey. I'm putting something up here on the screen. You got it? It's awesome because God wants us to recognize that as we grow in the word, we have to, we have to divide the word of truth carefully. And so when we grow up to have a personal relationship and we call him a friend, a father, a brother, a companion, a Lord, a healer, a provider, that means he's wanting to change something in you to believe that. People come in here and they have accepted Christ in their heart, but that doesn't mean they've really accepted him as a friend. They can say, they can sing that song. There's a song that says, he is my friend. We can sing those songs, but do we believe he's really our friend? We can say, oh, I have a father in heaven. Do you really believe that he would love you like a father? Because our experiences are so tangible and touchable that that's how we apply it to heaven. But he wants to come down and show something else. Are you able to get that up? You're about to get it? Okay. So we actually have to recognize that we aren't talking to somebody who's not hearing us. You know, he wants to hear everything we have to say. And he wants us to come boldly to his throne for mercy and grace in times of season and tell him whatever's on our mind the exact way. Because what you're thinking, he's already what? hearing. So he already knows it. So sometimes we're like, yeah, I'm not going to talk to God about that now. I'm going to put that on hold. And he starts laughing because he's like, I already see it. But I want that person to come to me as a friend. I want that person to come to me as a father. I want that person to come to me as a brother, a companion. I want him to know he's Lord. All right. It says second Timothy two fifteen, and I'm sorry that this isn't big enough, but it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker. So we are, and I, this is why I asked the real estate team this morning, okay? You are workers. We, are, we have to get up and go to what? Work. There is nobody that's supposed to not be working. There is something God has for each person to do every day 
to get up and do something. He has a job waiting for you every day. It says, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Isn't that powerful? I put this on this morning, and because as we are recognizing that he is our friend, that he is our father, that he is our brother, that he is our companion, that he is our Lord, that he is our healer, we have to know when we get up every day, we should want to go to what? Work, because he is diligently working something with us to do for him. And you know, I, I, I think this is kind of funny. When you're with your friend, right, you look out after your friends, right? If you see someone doesn't have a button buttoned or a shirt tucked in, right, don't you want to fix it? Because you're covering your friend, right? You don't want them to not look right. But then if you were just, if you were working and going and you were just a slave, well, and you think you had it all right and they had it all wrong and you're not covering them, you're making sure to cover yourself, Sometimes when we go into something as a slave, we are doing it for the wrong motive. We are not doing it with joy. And he tells us that as we're growing up in him and we can actually conceive and, and grip ourselves as one, as a friend, a father, a brother, and we can see the multiple levels. He says, then we have rightly divided the word of truth. That means we've received what he has shown for us and we're willing to talk to him just like that. Now, that's pretty powerful when you really think about it. So I asked people this morning, what kind of worker are we? Are we a slave to the word? Are we a slave to what God has for us? Or are we a what? Friend. Do you know what I mean? Are we doing it freefully, cheerfully, all within his joy? So it says we can actually come to him and talk to him, talk to him directly. You can represent your anxieties, your fears, your worries to him, and he hears the answers. You actually, how do you know you've had an encounter with him? You feel his love. All right? That's what we're working with. Every day you can feel his love as you put him in that. So those are the things we talked about last week. Those are the five things, us coming to that grips, that we are that new creation and that we're growing. Well, today's lesson, as we passed out to you today, is... It's important to know that when Jesus said that we're to let everything go and for him to follow you, we're to follow him, right? He says that we, he wants to make disciples. This class, Sonship, is about making disciples. And so it's important for us to know what does that mean. So this part of the lesson of the book is what does it mean to be making a disciple? Disciple is designed, and everybody can read this on your sheet. Disciple is one who learns and follows, okay? I like this. When you look at the word a friend, would you want to learn something from your friend? Mm -hmm. And if you have a father who wants to teach you, you want to what? Receive that teaching. You want to follow your friend. You want to grow. If, he, if Lord is Lord, then guess what? He is ruler over all. And so you want to grow up with that. Put up Luke 14.26 for me. Luke 14.26. So a disciple is one who learns and follows. Everybody's here because they want to what? Learn. And everybody's here because they want to follow Christ. Right. They want to know what is the plan God has for me and where am I going? It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother in the sense of indifference to or relative discard, disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God. And likewise, his wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, 
even his own life. Also, he cannot, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I had to really grip this because the one thing I think is really important is when we're living in the world and we're living in our flesh, sometimes when I showed the word on Timothy, when we are rightly dividing the word, you have to ask yourself, how am I reading this word? Am I applying it to my flesh? Am I applying it to my soul? Am I applying it to what the Lord is trying to show me spiritually? Well, if you really look at that in the flesh, that's saying you got to leave your mom, your dad. You have to leave everybody behind to follow him. Can you put this up without the Amplified, please? The Amplified. Without the Amplified. Okay. So here's it a little bit more simple. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my, my disciple. Well, that's a pretty strong word. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean you're supposed to go and like physically hate the people. Our love for God has to be so strong. It has to be higher than our relationship with our lowercase father. It has to be higher than with our mother, our wife, our children, our brothers, and our sisters. To truly follow him, you have to be able to let go of what they're saying to you and hearing what he wants to share with you. Now, that's pretty hard because when I looked at that, I kept thinking, I can't talk to anybody. (laughs) But the awesome thing is there is a verse that says that if you do leave to to follow, He said, now I'm going to give you double. I'm going to bring all that back to you and even more so. And so we look at that. It's not that you're really letting the people go. You're choosing to hear and seek and listen to one person. And that is the Father through the Son, through your Holy Spirit. So it says a disciple must subordinate all earthly relationships to loyalty to Christ. To hate family is not a command or a statement of fact but a way of expressing the importance and the allegiance to Jesus. That means you want to do what he is calling you to do, what he is asking you to do, what he is directing you to do. When I started developing, I would hear things. I just, I, I just, and I would just do them. I did not look for consultation from a mother, from a father, from a brother, from a sister, even though we're so easily tempted. How many times are we easily tempted to pick up that phone? And we hear something from God, and we say we're looking for a witness, and we're dialing up the witness. Yeah. We're, we're like, I'm going to get him to be on my side, you know? I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, it is an unction that you feel that you just want to talk it out. But to truly follow him, you truly are receiving what he is saying. You are rightly dividing. You are waiting for the witness, and then you're moving forward to what he wants. And you know what? And that's where the grace of God truly comes in our lives when we understand who is our Lord. We know that Jesus came to save us, but does he really Lord over our life? Do we really see him as that Lord over our life? Can we really see him as somebody who really cares about us enough to be like, treat him like a friend? You know, we treat him like a friend. Discipleship means total (laughs) renunciation of all selfish interest and maximum realization of Christ's purpose for our lives. Well, that is, I am telling you, there you can feel and think that you do that, but as you are developing and becoming this disciple and growing in this development, you will hear something you have to let go of. And I always use this story as my example. I joined a sorority in college. I picked it because it was my favorite colors. 
It was purple. It was white. I love purple. You know, I really like lavender. And so I picked this color and I thought, okay. And I liked it with Sigma, Sigma, Sigma. And it's, it's gem was a pearl. I wore pearl. I love pearls. So it was like, I totally picked it on flesh design only. And I joined it, went through the little things. I used to get the award called missing in action because I was never really into it. And if they had to find, oh, I get every year at the sorority awards, I get you, you've been a sorority. You get the, um, you get the, they have little fun awards. Every year I got missing in action, missing. And I'd laugh when I get up because I just didn't make myself available to it, you know. But I laugh at this because when I came here and after a couple months, I, I was in worship. I woke up and I heard, I heard jewelry holds matter. And then I heard to get rid of all my jewelry. Well, I started that morning, I was putting on my watch, I was putting on my jewelry, and I didn't think of myself as attached to my jewelry. You know what I mean? And that morning when I was in my jewelry drawer, I had a special box of stuff I'd give Rachel that I knew that was going to be hers from her dad. But I had my sorority pin with its little ribbons and everything. I was like, I love that pin. Like, you know what I mean? My mind was working it, right? I walk in these doors later on. We're all just talking and socializing. And this lady, Lee, comes. her name is Lee. She comes in and she walks by me and she looks. And me, I look at her, but the looking was deeper <laughs> than just looking. And she said to me, jewelry holds matter. Saying exactly what God had already said to me that morning. But she didn't tell me to get rid of the jewelry. And I just was like, I felt it like this deep sinking in my spirit. I immediately took off my watch. I went home. I laid all my jewelry up. Even the sorority pin, I had to denounce that connection with that sorority. And I remember, I love the words in that sorority. They would say, we are steadfast sisterhood, right? I was missing in action. <laughs> but discipleship truly means to denounce all selfish interest. You know, sometimes we join things. We're not even knowing why we're joining. We're joining something just to fulfill something in our heart. I actually had to denounce everything connected to every piece of jewelry. Because to every piece of jewelry was connected to something else that God was trying to strip me so that my full focus was on him. I mean, it was hard. I love some of the things I had. I didn't realize how attached I was to my jewelry till I had to renunciate, renunciate all my selfish interests with all of it. And then I had to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with it? He blessed people. I love it. It is true. You will hand your things over to what God wants you to do for him. But I had to actually come to zero. We have to recognize when people are growing this, they have to really come to zero of trusting what they are connected to, what selfish things they believe in, and you have to truly hand everything up to him. Now that coming to zero, that is like we were talking this morning. You get into a spiritual high, then you go into what? There's a low, and then we have the ups and downs. And you know what? The whole time, the wind of the Spirit is pushing you to just keep going through the cycles, keep going through the cycles, keep going through it. Don't stop and just put break. You have to keep pressing through so that you move through these motions a little bit faster. And the whole time, there is something in our soul that we have to renounce that is in our own selfish interest so we can have what? The fullness of His interest for our life. That's deep. Isn't that deep? I mean, when I think about it, my, I just, oh, you know, because we have to constantly be in that mindset of renewing the mind day by day. We are becoming this new creation day by day. So I want everybody to think about this. When they leave here today, think about what is something that I hold on to 
that is for my own self-interest. That's why we, we pinned all this stuff to the cross. We were really, this is a season of death. We go through burial, then we go through resurrection of Christ, the Christ in us of what his interest is for us. We just, I mean, the depths of what he has for us. We, I believe that, you know, it takes time to start really taking all this in because we're not used to receiving that much love. But I love it. When you give something up, he's going to have something right aligned to come back to you, right? It's awesome. Put up John 8, 31 and 32. John 8, 31 and 32. So a disciple, we got to still love people. But that doesn't mean we have to go run to people for the answer first. That means we don't have to hold on to certain things. We really have to give those things up to him so he can give it all back to us. And I loved it because when it says, when God has called you approved on that sign I just had, there is no shame. There is no shame. When he has showed you something that has to do with him, there is no shame. So John 8, 31, 32 says, when Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love that. Because we have the inner word of the command of the Holy Spirit is directing us with an instruction. And it is going to line up with the word. But are you willing to do it? When I heard that jewelry held matter, I didn't even know I had wrong correction, wrong connections with the jewelry I had. I didn't know that. But I heard him. I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that immediately got a witness. So now, because I was his disciple, what did I need to do? In obedience, I needed to do it. And then I still had to ask him what to do individually. That doesn't mean throw it all in the trash can. He had assignments for all of it and where it needed to go. And you shall know the truth. I knew the truth. You know what I mean? I, as much, how did I know the truth? When I looked at every piece of jewelry, I had to face the truth of that jewelry. I did. I faced the truth of each piece my motive, my purpose, my receiving. I thought about it. But let me tell you, once I released it by his command, man, I was, I was set free every piece that left. Every piece that left. And I had no jewelry. I was borrowing Rachel's jewelry. <laughs> but it was the best feeling. It was the best feeling because sometimes jewelry gives us value. When the value has to be Christ within you, not what you're wearing. Come on, let's think about our society. We have a strong society of the things we have and the things we wear. So I love that testimony because it really fits in to helping me understand that that was one of the steps he was taking me to show me the things that I had connected to the world and not to him. Put up 1 Timothy, Timothy 3.7. Does it sound like I'm screaming? Okay. 1 Timothy 3.7. You know when you read the word and then you read it again? And then you read it again. It's such a melting thing. And then I feel rejoicing when I think about oh, that you, you actually, when we, I'm telling you, when you read that verse where it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, man, you, your mind should rejoice and celebrate your past victories. <laughs> because when you take the time to rejoice and celebrate your past victories, whew, you're happy. It makes you, it lifts you up, reminds you, and he's still what? Working on something else. So we have to, we have to seek and know our past victories. And that keeps us what? Edified, that he has moved in our life. We have had an encounter with him. He was a friend. He was a father. He was a companion. 1 Timothy 3, 7 says, moreover, he must have a good testimony 
among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. In that good verse, we actually, moreover, he, we must have a good testimony. I couldn't get up here and teach this about being a disciple, following him and him saying, you got to give up all the stuff if I hadn't what? Renounce something, give something up, experienced his, experience his glory in my receiving and following that command. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Man, I think, I want you all to think about, we've all missed God. Everybody's heard God tell you to do something, right? And you're like, oh, if I just would have listened to that intuition, if I was communing with him more, the strengthening of our spirit on the inside. And when I think about generated energy, generated energy, you know, you'd ride a bike in the old days and it would generate a generator. You know what I mean? Hey, we worry about a storm coming and we buy generators. So our house, so we have electricity, you know, <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing if we had a week without electricity? Wouldn't that be cool? No, I'm serious. I would love to go to have a day. Watch, I say this. And all of a sudden, Savannah, head news, electricity gone for a week. Think about how relying on Christ in the darkness. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Relying on what he directs us, where he tells us to go. Man, we would be so blessed to really know what it would be like, I feel, to have that type of experience. And you see people flipping out when, you know, storms come and I'm the worst for going to get water. I never, I mean, <laughs> I never go to the store when there's a storm. I always say, hey, I lose weight during that time, right? I always know I'm going to have food, right? So anyway, I'm saying this cute because we are to have a good testimony among those who are on the outside. We've got to have, when I opened up and said that we have to have an encounter with God, when you have an encounter with God and then you share it with somebody on the outside, I am telling you, it's like a zap. It's like a jump. They connect with it. All right, lest we reproach and get snared by the devil. We miss it. We don't want to miss it. Our discipleship is so important to him because it helps the outsider come inside, get to really come into where God is sending them. John 8, 51. John 8, 51. And then, um, Carl, if you can turn the time around for me too, it would be great. The clock, so I can see that. Yeah. Is the right one. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Is, is, it's incorrect. It should be second Timothy three, seven. I just caught it. I was good with that. <laughs> what was the one that was on? What was the one that was on the screen? It was second Timothy. Yes. Yeah, that is the incorrect. It is 1 Timothy 3, 7. It's incorrectly written, and it, yeah, that's cool. And there's the family. Praise God. John eight fifty one. I love this when we have the handouts. It helps us with editing. That's good. All right, John eight fifty one says, Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So if it means that you'll never see death, that means you're going to experience life. You're going to experience the fullness of life, something he has for you to step into your next place. So we have to 
experiencing God, you have to experience that kind of love by hearing and then doing. And then he gives you an experience. It falls upon you and you just know it's God and you're moving in that right direction because he's trying to reconcile something. Go ahead and put John 15, 7, 8. I like it. We don't even, if we heed the voice of God, we do not have to see or taste death. We'll always stay in life. Our soul, like I talked before, our soul gets to go where? To heaven and feel and experience all the goodness. John 15, 7, 8 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is what? Glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. All right. I love working a sentence. I love working a verse backwards. My disciples. What does a disciple do? Bear fruit. It bears not just any fruit. It bears much fruit. He already has that. But prior to bearing the fruit, there's going to be what? You, his father's going to be glorified. In that testimony, when you have an experience with God, you can't help but glorify God. That's what we're called to work. As we step out and do the works and we are stamped, God has approved us and we experience the receiving of his love, all you want to do is just glorify him. You are just so happy to glorify him. I just start crying. I can't stop crying. I'm just like, life is so good. Life is. And then you're looking at me and thinking life's a mess, but life is good. That's how you feel. Like people don't understand always what you're going through. But if you're in him and you are a disciple of him, another disciple will identify another disciple. They will know what they've experienced. So it says, if you step back, we are to bear more fruit. We will glorify the Father. And that whatever, it says, if you abide in me, but my word is in you, and the word is in the soul. So we have to abide, be led by the spirit, not the flesh. But when the word is in the soul, then you will ask what you are. It, it shall be done for you. Now, isn't that an awesome thing? When you start meditating, I remember I first heard that. I was like, oh, okay, that's for that person. I didn't believe that was for me. I, I just, you actually started, I actually stopped thinking about desires to a certain level because so much was happening to me so fast. But I can't say that I believe that. But the more I have experienced abiding in him in a relationship and growing in that word and then experiencing that word shifting my life, it's just, it's powerful. And remember, we are disciples. How many people are experiencing this every day? I want you to think about how many of us weekly could have a testimony about growing in a word and then glorifying God and knowing that something got changed for that week. I know everybody in here has experienced something, but we just don't stop at that one something. We keep pressing forward for it. You know your disciple because you're going to continually heed his voice. You're going to continually develop the next level. So isn't that awesome? So when people say, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, this is what he wants us to do as we abide in him in relationship. His word grows in our soul. You will ask, for, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Isn't that awesome? And you're going to bear fruit in that. That means you really are going to help some other, you're going to help another person. John 15.10 says, John 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
When Jesus came on the earth and he showed us the way, he showed us the truth, and that gave what? Life. That was the true living, which is the experience of his love. When it says, you will abide in my love. Every time I heard a command and I abide it, a love shower would come down on me. How many people have experienced a love shower? Right? We should be excited. How many people experience a love shower? Okay. All right. The love shower is awesome. It truly keeps, it keeps you submitted. You all want the next love shower, right? You want the next love shower. So, but he says, hey, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. I call it the shower, right? Just as I have kept my father's commands. Jesus showed us how it worked. He received the love of the father. He was in constant relationship with him. John 15, 12 says, this is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. So this is, okay. I just, this is just so powerful. Well, you can be with a person, and I want you guys to think about your life, your experiences, and if you are in him, and you are worshiping him, you're communing with him, God is going to drop something in you that's going to be a fullness of love with you and him. And it's going to just manifest something, and you are skipping out of your house, right? But that love can't stay just with you. Tori and I were talking about this so deeply yesterday. It was so awesome. It's got to go out to another. The highest thing, when the Lord showed me that verse, that the first glory is with you and him. He will shower a love on you. And he will, he will talk to you. And then you actually have got to now push that out to another person at his command. You just don't run out and start doing it. You know what I mean? You, start, you, have to, you have to be in your discernment with him to know how to press that kind of love out. And you've got to be able to hear him. And it's always going to be for another. How many of us want to be selfish with love? No, I'm serious. Hey, I want to be, I want to hold on. And this is what the way I want it. I had, I have truly learned over the past few years that the more the love bubbled up in me, and then I allowed it to be released right at the right time, a shower of love just falls. The bubbling up rises up because the love that's being built up in us is not all, it's for us. But he makes it the highest command is that you love one another as I have loved you. Man, if I wake up every morning, I'm worshiping and God's hugging, kissing me, right? He's going to make sure I go around and hug everybody I need to hug for the day. And he's going to tell me who to hug, how to hug, what to do, what to give, what to, and you know, we got to do what? Pass it out. All right. Do you know how important that is? Sometimes I want us to think about this. It's in Luke. I don't remember where the verse is. It's easy to love what we love. It's easy to love what we love. I, I'm going to love Rachel forever. Why? She's my daughter. She's easy to love. Well, sometimes she's easy to love. No, okay. She's easy to love. I love her, right? I'm always going to love her. That girl can't do anything wrong that's going to make me never love her. So I love her as Christ has loved me. We have a good relationship. But how about when God calls somebody into your life that you don't know, and you know God has assigned you to that person? Can you dream, bring them in and love them like Christ has loved you? I've experienced that with some people. I experienced that with Robin. Robin came in this ministry. It was so powerful. And she was being, it, rejection was all around her. Rejection, rejection. And I heard the voice bring her into my home. And I already had a vision, but I didn't get the conf confirmation of that vision 
till I actually was in faith and took her in my home. And then boom, she knocked at my little door and said, I want to show you some pictures. And there it is. They were all in a dream. She moved into my house in January and I had those visions in September. But see, now the Lord was saying, look at all the love I have given you. Now I'm giving you someone to now feed that into them. I want everybody to really think about that. Because everybody has somebody. If you're married, your first person is your marriage. If you're single, well, then you just, you have to hear. Our love is not to be prostituted. Our love is for assignment. And it's going to be put in the place and the flow. But you know what? The devil comes and he wants to do what in that one verse in Timothy? He wants to snare you and prostitute it and take it in the wrong column. You know what? And if anybody's in here, we've taken the gems test. If anybody in here has a high pearl, very easily your love gets given out in the wrong way. So he said he laid down his life so we could live for him. We know there were disciples if we can lay down our life, whatever's going on in our life, and we can live something for him for another. It's so powerful. I think I experienced the, the greatness I experienced that is when I did take Robin into my home. And, you know, I had some people say, hey, are you sure about that? But if it was God, guess what? My home was protected. Everything was going to do what it was going to do. And it was going to give whatever God wanted for her. And it was going to do something for me. I really, when you lay your life down, in fact, actually the first person was Ansley that came into the home. She was the second, you were the second person that came in. I didn't know Ansley. I didn't know who she was. She came in my office, said she was talking to Jean and she needed a place to live. I was like, come on in. And it was, it was awesome. I had a big house and rooms, you know, I like it. If we don't share the things that we have as God leads us and commands us to do that, Do you know what I mean? We could be missing. We're missing something out, but I love it. We all start off as what? Babies. We get saved. We've got to work out of salvation. And the more that love bellows in us and you know where it has to go, you have to give it out because that means there's a greater love coming back to you. It's that is a beautiful cycle. I'm experiencing that cycle. I love that cycle. Laying yourself down so that he can touch another life. So, but it says in his word, you to love one another just as I have loved you. You actually can't love another until you've experienced his love in that magnitude. It's powerful. Isn't that powerful? I want, you should be thinking and thinking about your love walk. How am I talking to people? How am I experiencing people? How am I laying my life down? Tori and I were talking about the works that God wants us to do are already planned in heaven. And they come down to us here on earth. Who will see it? We talked about this morning. Those works are to press on. She's in a job right now that she just can't experience. It's just crazy. She doesn't feel the love. She doesn't feel the things. You know what I mean? But God has asked her to go to that workplace every day with his joy, not the joy she's receiving from the other. See, we get this all messed up. Satan has us tricked to think, I'm supposed to be in this place because it's all Christians. And we're supposed to hang out and I'm going to be loved and I'm going to get everything I need because why? They're Christians. Okay. No, that's not how it worked. This is so awesome. The revelation the Lord gave me about, about uh, John the Baptist. And when Jesus came, when John the Baptist came, he came and he was called to isolation. He was called to only eat the locusts and the wild honey. And that's what God called him to do. And he was to call out, repent, because what? The kingdom of God is at hand. Then who comes? Jesus. 
And Jesus, and you know, the Pharisees are already like, hey, who is John? Who's John? What's up with John? They're like respecting John because they see his isolation and they, they put a higher value on him. Jesus comes and he's doing some eating, some drinking. He is hanging out with tax collector. He is doing all this cool stuff. And they're like, oh, they can't even see Christ. They're too busy judging all his actions that they are missing the beauty of how he was loving another. He stepped into places of darkness and he loved them as the father loved him. Do you know what I'm saying? The cycle was on. He knew the father loved him. They were together before creation. And hey, he was helping his father keep his word. Now really, come on. Can you imagine doing a project? How many people have been in school and you had to do a project, like a science project? And then you had to see if that project worked, right? So you are creating this project and now you're actually testing it and it doesn't what? It doesn't work, all right? So now, sometimes we can think of things in theory, but until we experience them, John the Baptist, he was speaking the theory out there. When Jesus came, now the truth was living it was breathing. It was time for its manifestation. God had to bring Jesus to keep his word, to try out his test. He created the earth. It was his creation. The first run didn't work out well, did it? They had to flood the earth. They had to, God and the Lord were sitting up in heaven and thinking, man, why is this not working? And it's because they didn't do the test run. He had to send his son to come down and live in the flesh for what? To show us the way. Isn't that really cool when you think it? The father kept his what? Word. He kept his word. He said, hey, I created this. Okay, now I'm going to send his word, Christ, in a living being. That's why, who would you want to mediate for you? The one that came down to live in the flesh or the one who's never come down to live in his own creation? Who do you want to judge you? Jesus. Jesus came down and he lived in this. So that's why he's in this awesome. He really is the mediator, the interceder to father. So when he says, I came down here because daddy told me to, I'm living this out. I'm loving him. Now I'm going to love you. Now, can you do the same? Can you keep, keep on the inheritance? Can you keep passing that down? Can you keep growing in that? Yes, we're already built to do it. And guess what? The more we do it when we realize we can't. Do you know what I mean? Like, I started thinking, you know, every time the Lord's asked me to do something for another, and I don't think I can do it, the battle is on. I am telling you, the, the fight in the mind is trying to say, you can't do that. Don't do that. Don't bother with that. Don't bother with that person. The enemy will come, and he'll come with like a force, and the force is violent. And you know what? And it wants to take you over with violence of thought. But then when you say, nope, I heard it, I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to stand on that word. And now when you ask for his help, which is your desire, you want to please God. We all want to please God, and we want to be approved by God. So when we say what? Yes, and we surrender it, now, guess what just happened in the spirit? A shift happened. Now, you start moving in faith that you've never had before. We have witnessed it so much in this ministry. People actually, you watch it when they're about to shift. And you see it. And you see when the enemy takes them by force. Arr! 
right? Mamie, we talked about those verses this morning and started laughing. I said, we read that verse all wrong where it says that, you know, the violent take it by force. Guess what? Those thoughts in your intellect, they try to take over your soul by force. So you do what your flesh wants to do and not what the spirit has called you to do, which is going to be to love another, not in a way you've ever experienced before. When we watch what happened with Mamie and Carl, a beautiful exchange happened. They actually had to experience love in a way that very few marriages have experienced it because they put it all out on the floor. They were asking. They surrendered. They were like, hey, Jesus died for me for this, for me to experience a love greater than what I even thought I could have. And then boom, the love explosion, you know, and that's the beauty. We lay down our life so that another can live for him. We are the examples for the outsiders. So don't judge an outsider and don't not step where God has told you to go. Do you know what I mean? I, this is funny. Where was this Ebola thing that came out? Remember? I mean, I don't watch news. I seriously, I, I don't watch the news. There's no TV in my house that's on like that. And I barely, you know, when I go on my AOL account, now it's on my phone. I don't even look at the little screen things they have anymore. But I remembered you would hear, I heard some people in this ministry, oh my gosh, I got to wash my hands. I got to do this. I got to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Right? There is an attack on the mind. If God sent me to go somewhere and I knew God sent me that, guess what? I have the providence of him on my life. I have the protection that I cannot be hurt if I am doing what he commanded me to do. I mean, there is a, we have to know, we have to get this flow of hearing his voice. He is going to test you and where he sends you. If you really hear me, your first thing is, I don't want to do that. You can pretty much know God. You might have just heard God. <laughs> it says, love, love doesn't harm. Oh, I have this other picture. It says, love is a friendship on fire. Not my friendship with another person. Love with him is a friendship on fire. Because when he asks me to do something and it's on fire, love does no harm. Love covers a multitude of sin. When you are in a love relation with him, relationship with him and it's on fire, don't question where he's taking you. Just hear the command, stand on the word, follow the obedience, and you are becoming a disciple. And how do you know the check is? You're going to bear much fruit. Why? Because you're loving another. You're doing something to lay something down for another. If you live in me and my words and live with you, everything and anything you ask, will be done for you. If you live in his spirit and his character being built in you, everything you ask will be done for you. Do you like this? I'm repeating this just with different intros. If you are born again and you are regenerated spirit and you are in him, living in him, guess what he's going to do? Whatever you ask, he's going to do for you. His words are his character. If his character lives within me, I can ask. If the word is his character, then how do I get his word in me? You have to what? Worship him. You have to open that Bible up. You've got to get that, I call it the little filing cabinet of word going in there. And you've got to, it manifests. It manifests something. It says, first of all, can he 